The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. We are brought to you by Atlanta Sports Trips. Atlanta Sports Trips is the first premium travel service sending Atlanta sports fans on the road to see their favorite teams play. An Atlanta sports trip is headed to New Orleans, and you can come along for the ride. Come experience the most underrated rivalry in all of football when the Dirty Birds play the Aints on December 18th at the Superdome. Atlanta Sports Trips has the perfect weekend scheduled with a hotel stay at the JW Marriott on Canal Street, plus a tailgate with Brian Finneran and former Falcon quarterback Bobby Bear. Your chance to get up close and personal with a former NFL wide receiver and quarterback, autographs, pictures, pick their brains. And since Atlanta Sports Trips is now the official travel provider for 680 The Fan, you can benefit with $68 off your booking when you use the promo code 680 at atlsportstrips.com. It's going to be a great weekend. Give the gift of a trip by sending somebody to see the game of the year that could be one that has a lot of impact for the Falcons and the Saints. You can book at atlsportstrips.com. That's atlsportstrips.com. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. I would be Matt or Matlana. I didn't give myself the nickname. I earned the nickname. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. Uh, before we get to a, a big career change for uh, Boog Shambi, I know when your time here and just your time around baseball, you cross paths with a lot of legendary figures, and there's no more legendary figure than what Atlanta lost with Hank Aaron. Boog, do you have any... Memories, interactions, just uh, remembrances of crossing paths with him. Well, so um, you know, my my first year was uh, 1997, um, and you know, you're you're talking about a guy who's you know one of the the historic figures in baseball, and, and my first year as a broadcaster with the Marlins, and I got to interview him. Um, he came to Pro Player Stadium. And yeah, it was just, it was, I was nervous, you know, like it was, it, it just, you felt like you were in just, and I got a chance to be around him a, a handful more times, but I, it was just different. You know, I've been around a lot of guys and there just aren't too many guys that had that type of presence and just, you know, like a quiet dignity to him, but you know, all that he accomplished, the baseball nerd in me would say to you, I know this sounds incredible, but we fixate on the home runs and who's the all-time. I think he was an underrated player. But I think that when you when you really break it down, I don't know that because he played, you know, in and around the same time as Willie Mays, I think that he gets overshadowed a little bit, but people don't realize that, yeah, he wasn't just a power hitter. He could run, he could defend. Um, and, you know, he hit for a great average as well. You know, this, you took away his, his home runs, he'd still have 3,000 hits. But I, I just can remember, 
interviewing him and being and being intimidated. But I, maybe intimidated isn't the right. Being excited to be in the company of someone that had that level of gravitas. Okay, that's a great way to say it. But then you meet him and you realize he is the most humble, gracious, oh like giving person who. And Boo, you've been around a lot of folks like I have that. For whatever reason, they don't choose to be that way, but he was every bit of, of those descriptions. Absolutely. Yeah, he's just a, a, special, a special guy and, and, you know, humble to a point where you, you took note of it. Um, yeah, he, it, was, uh, I, I, it was a while since I, I hadn't seen him in, in, in quite some time, but I, you know, just in just little interactions with him. I remember being down on the field – before one of the World Series games and chatting with he and Giancarlo Stanton um, in San Francisco. I think it was the Tigers World Series. So that would have been, what, 2012? Uh, yeah, 2012. Um, so, yeah, it's just you're, you're, you're talking about a, a special man and um, a guy who occupies a really special place in history. Good way to say it. Uh, congratulations, first and foremost, on the move to the Cubs. Without getting into your personal business, how does this come about, this move? Oh, man. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting. I, I think the part that's, that's funny is I really like, you know, I'm still going to do stuff for ESPN, but it's changing. So I, I really liked my gig at ESPN. I think what's interesting is Len Casper is a longtime friend. We were together. Um, in South Florida, he was the TV guy. I was the radio guy. When he left to take the Cubs job, I was offered the TV job and turned it down and went and worked and did TV games for ESPN. And then after two years at ESPN, that's when I came to Atlanta and did the Braves for three years. But so Len and I had a close friendship. He had told me that he was thinking about doing this. And, you know, for some people, they can get it and some people don't. But, you know, he's never called a playoff game. You know, I mean, I've been calling playoff games on the radio since 2005, and it's really cool. And, you know, most people don't realize that if you're the TV, local TV broadcaster in the NBA, in the NHL, in Major League Baseball, the local TV broadcaster, I think the NBA, they might, at least for a time, they let you carry over. But for the most part, you do local TV. When the playoffs come, you watch. You're done. And, look, he had lived through one of the great experiences, you know, in baseball over the last 50 years with the Cubs breaking their curse. So that was not going to happen again, obviously. And he was just looking for something new. And a kid that grew up in Michigan listening to Ernie Harwell wasn't going to have to move, create the job that he wanted to create. He loved his Cubs job. Anyway, as I talked him through it, I never actually thought about, well, hmm, is this something that would appeal to me? And then they called, and I think that th there were a lot of elements to it. I never, as weird as it may sound, I never really sat with what would it be like to be the voice of the Cubs. As close as he and I were, it was like always his job, so I just be doing games at Wrigley Field like the way I did as a national guy, not what would it be like if I was the Cubs guy. And then – when I really started to take it in, it just, it appealed to me. I didn't want to do 150 and they're letting me do, you know, 125 ish. And 
it all just kind of came together. And, and then you really sit with, you know, the broadcasting lineage and beyond the city that, you know, I think that the Chicago Cubs, if you take the four major sports, I think, you know, it's, it's one of the, the more significant, you know, franchises in terms of just historical appeal um, in any of the four major sports. So I, I just, it's, uh, it was a process. It wasn't something that I was eyeing. It just kind of came upon me. And then when I really sat down to think about it, it, it just made sense. So we took the plunge, yes, at the Chernoff house. The big renovations are going on. So it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects. And for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices, it was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678-935-6901. Peachwood Floor Coverings, big company quality, small company services. Home field advantage exists in baseball. Insurance, too. Your local trusted choice independent insurance agents are active members of your community. They'll always have your back. Find a local auto, home, or business insurance agent at trustedchoice.com. Folks, you just heard from Smoltzy, and you heard it from me as well. Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes Group are my trusted choice for insurance agents. They've been my agent for a long time, and they serve all of Metro Atlanta. To get up to 10 auto insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes, visit roads-group.com slash churnoff today. That's roads-group.com slash churnoff. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near, and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find, a craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. The dailydraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like trivia night, kids eat free night, and more. The dailydraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love the Daily Draft. Well, let's go back for a minute because um, what I love about, number one, listening to you do games is I know you're doing games, but I know you could do other things. I used to listen to you do sports talk radio. In South Florida, so you, you've yeah. done the talk show thing, the game thing. Let me ask you about the radio part, because I know that's yep. got some history where the nickname came from, right? Tell the uh, listener how Boog came about. I was hired in 1993. My buddy Bob Washusen, who does college basketball and 
He also does college football for ESPN, and he is the voice on the radio of the New York Jets. Um, he helped get me a job at WQAM in Miami, which at the time was the flagship station for the Marlins and the Panthers and eventually became the flagship station as well for the Dolphins. And I went down there in 1993. I was training as a board op, and the guy on the morning show was Dave Lamont. He's from the D.C. area. He's a big Orioles fan. You know, and I was just a big guy with red hair. And he said, <laughs> you kind of look like Boog Powell. And I had already, you know, I was hired as, you know, as a hourly, you know, worker, just uh, trying to work as much as I could and climb and get on the air and do updates. But I was training to board up the morning show. And he said, you look like Boog Powell. And the next day, taped over John Shambi on my mailbox. It said Boog Powell. And it just stayed. And, and it, yeah, everybody, everybody there called me Boog. So, for the most part, anybody that's met me after 23 calls me Boog. And then, you know, friends from high school and college are more likely to call me from by my last name. And then some of the girls from grade school still call me Jonathan. There you go. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I grew up, my mother and father would, like, they wouldn't even call me Matt. It would be, I was 12 years old my whole life. It would be Matthew. So I get the Jonathan thing. Um, right. Did you enjoy doing Sports Talk Radio? I did. I did until I didn't, I would say. You know, I think it, it got it got uh I mean the the whole landscape has changed. I mean I feel like I did it, you know, when I was doing it was like the when it was just exploding um across the country, you know, in the in the you know, the in the nineties when it really started to take off and, and every city that didn't have a sports talk station got a sports talk station. Um it, look, here's the thing I would say. It was immensely valuable for thinking on my feet. You know, I came at it from a perspective of, like, being in New York. Um, you know, they always have calls at FAN. You, know, you sit there and do a show at 2 in the morning, and you get a full board. You know, you can just give out the phone numbers. <laughs> it's not like that in South Florida, man. You're doing a solo show. you got to work. Like, you are got to say something and have a – take a side and, and deliver something to get people to call in. And I think more than anything, I liked the mental exercise of, you know, jousting with callers. And I think even today, you know, it's funny. It's where, I mean, you can relate to this, where, you know, TV people in spots, you know, would ask you to vamp, meaning fill time. And just your, you know, on sports talk radio, your ability to, to fill a minute with just stuff is, you know, is one of the skill sets that you learn. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and so yep. it helped me so much to just be able to, you know, really easily. I mean, eventually it got easy, but just be able to sort of tread water and, um, and transition and fill space. So it was, yeah, it was fun. I think I also, I think it also was the starting point for sports talk radio is where I learned, I know this sounds funny, but yeah, it's where I learned how to do me, you know, where I learned to be comfortable to close the gap between what's the guy that's on the air, like versus the guy that's off the air and trying to make it 
as close to the same person as possible. So it was, yeah, it was a, a really valuable thing for my development just as a broadcaster. Um, I got worn out on it, you know. It, it, it's I got worn out on it at times, but it uh, it's still, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't change it for a, a second. I, well, well, let me I, ask you I this. because my time doing it. You said something I think was intriguing because one of the reasons I love listening to you call games and I've always enjoyed it is there is an element of like your guard is down. And I think what we've learned if you yeah. do this long enough is what you just said, you've got to be you. But what comes with that is, I mean, there's corporations and there's management types. Did anybody in a game setting say not enough baseball, too, not enough serious? Because you still do the baseball stuff with personality. Has that ever been an issue with anybody? It's funny. I've gotten asked that question, um, you know, from time to time working for the Braves or the Marlins. And I swear to you, I have never in my life had anyone from a team say, don't do that again, or we're unhappy with something along. Like, I, I think that there's a perception that that takes place more than it actually does is what I, is my, is, is my two cent opinion. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I can't speak for every broadcaster broadcasting for every team, but you know, my short answer is no, it's just that that was not, that was not a part of my reality. So before you got to Atlanta, you're doing Marlins games and uh, spending a lot of time in South Florida. I know what that community's like. It is a very similar to Atlanta with a beach that if you're not hot and sexy, the fans there are lukewarm to the event. So what was your reaction to the way they reacted to baseball down in that part of the country? I, I mean, yeah, you just you you nailed it. You know, that's exactly that's a perfect all of what you just said is the perfect. It was hard. I, you know, I love baseball. So, I mean, man, I'm 50. I still liked it the way I did when I was seven. You know, I still just really liked it. I, and I think, uh, it was challenging. They were, they just, I don't think that I would say overall in that market, my opinion is they don't like it that much. I don't think they like sports that much. I just, I don't, I, I really, and I also, as my, my, my talk show joke, here's my one talk show joke. Yeah. I don't believe that people weren't going to the heat, the Panthers, the Marlins and the Dolphins because everybody was out windsurfing. <laughs> no, everybody tried to do, there's so much to do. I'm sorry, man. I grew up in New York. There's way more to do in New York than there is in Miami. Like way more, way more. So it, it like, they just they're just not as they're not as emotionally invested in it, period. Is my opinion. I by the way, um, I Boog, I agree with you. And again, I have family down there. I've spent a lot of time. The touristy yeah. notion of that state and the and the movement from other places I very never, transient. I've, I never thought it was a pro sports state. Not even yeah. just South Florida. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. they're very lukewarm, hot and cold yeah. on all that stuff. And it's funny because coming from that spot, as much as the you know, Braves fans take some some heat here and there and i mean look i don't whatever you want the bar to be but my opinion was the three years i was in atlanta i would say and maybe coming from south florida colored it a little bit but like i guess i would actually come at it and say i feel like in my experience that brace fans got a bad rap i i i overall was 
and still am taken by the fact that there are so many darn Braves fans out there. I still get, I, I mean, I haven't been there since 2009, and I will multiple times a year run into a Braves fan or Braves fans and just have a really nice interaction with them. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's look, when you're talking about, you know, the Cubs and the Red Sox and the Yankees that have been around a bazillion years, and the Braves have had a pretty darn good run of success, like in the macro um, it's a pretty impressive franchise, and, and I would say in the overall, you know, they, they like their baseball. I, I, you know, I understand college football and all that stuff. No, but, but, uh, but I agree with you. Atlanta, Atlanta, weirdly, I mean, you know the history, right? 80s awful, 70s hit or miss, but sure. when 91 came around, everything's exploding. But there did become a point where, like, every sports fan argues that they don't get spoiled, but everybody got spoiled here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Don't tell me I got spoiled as I'm acting spoiled. Exactly. No, and, I understand. Well, I think, I mean, look, spoiled has such a negative connotation. In the end, it just becomes, I think it's a human reaction where, yeah, at a certain point when you win 14 straight division titles, you know, for division title number 11, it's just not as sexy when you haven't, when you haven't won. Exactly. Um, you know, so I, I mean, look, the other, I, I, I always, I have so many like opinions that I, I think that those Braves teams get a bad rap. Like I know that it's, it's tough, but I, I just, I think there's some bad luck. Um, I, I think that they get caught up in, in the narrative. So like, you know, Matt, just for a second, like, how about the New York Yankees? They made the playoffs in 01, 02, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. That's seven straight years. They made the playoffs, and they didn't win the World Series. Like, not once. Well, I think and we got – would... Yeah, Boog, I think we got to the point when they expanded the playoffs, and there's this, like, line of, of – you know, where you, you take it from 91 to 95 right. when they add the extra rounds, where yeah. you're, you're the two best teams, all right? You're going to get to the yeah. World Series – if you're there enough, right. and after that it yeah. became this jumping through hoop it's round hard. after – Yeah, well, but no, I guess but... I would say this to you. I, I like your point. There was some bad luck involved in this. I thought there was yeah. some, some yeah. weird managing. The offense would go away, but it was just all piled into one big stew of, like, how do you have all that stuff for 14 years and not have the luck of right. the one ball that, you know, takes a bad bounce in your favor or, you know, instead right. of in 91, the, the bases loaded with nobody out, you leave them. Where's your moment to have one of those? Because Smoltz has told me all the time says, if we win in 96, he goes, we go on the Yankee run. I have no doubt. Because we didn't win in 96, and whatever happened after that was just all sort of you know following of what's bad going to happen to us this time. I don't, know that it, I don't know that I agree with him that they go on the Yankee run, but I will tell you this. Um, I think you can make the case, like, if they win in 96 or if Lonnie Smith doesn't commit that base-running mistake and they win in 91 and then again in 95 – I think the narrative changes drastically. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. The, well, the narrative shouldn't be able to change drastically over a 14-year stretch because Lonnie Smith made a base running mistake. Oh, I agree, but you you know how simplistic we make this stuff. I get it. Stuff. I'm just, yeah. you know. Oh, I agree I with you. Bit of the, I have a little bit of the fairness police in me. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, you and That's me both. Bad quality. That doesn't, bad quality. That doesn't play yeah, very well. No. no uh, <laughs> here's what I hate for you, though. That's a good point. Here's what I hate for you. I just hate that you weren't here for some – and the nine, 0709 was sort of the – 
between, right? Of it was. You just it missed was. the run. They're starting to yeah. retool. I just wish you had better teams to call bigger moments yeah. for. No question. I, I mean, me too. I mean, look, it was. It still was such a thrill. I mean, I, look, I, I, you know, I was told, for example, when there was an opening that, you know, John Sherholtz and Bobby Cox were advocates for me to get the job, which I, I thought was really flattering just from my time interacting with those guys, um, you know, with the Marlins. I, I, you know, the thing that was neat for me was when I started, I was doing pregame and postgame and a tiny bit of play-by-play, and I just I got more and more play-by-play. But in those first couple of years, I would do pregame interviews and I'd go into the other clubhouses. So it got me FaceTime over the years with a lot of players on other teams besides the Marlins. And just with the Braves, just all those guys were so great to deal with. Hey, Tom Glavin, will you do the pregame show? Sure, meet me in the dugout at 445. You go to the dugout at 445, and there's Tom Glavin. And I'm telling you, it was the same thing for Chipper Jones. It was the same thing for John Smoltz. It was the same thing for Greg Maddox. Like, those guys were – Bobby, same – it was – they were such a play, and so I would interview them, you know, once or twice a year, and got to to connect with them, and then to go and do it, and to get to know, you know, Brian and Jeff when they were just babies, and spend time around Chipper, and spend time around John, and spend time around Tom, um, and and at that point of my career, now I've been doing it for a while. I'm ten years in. And knowing that I'm spending time around Chipper, John, and Tom and their Hall of Famers um, and getting to just chat baseball every day, uh, I love my time there. I just loved it. So we took the plunge, yes, at the Chernoff house. The big renovations are going on. So it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects. And for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know – could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt... That's the promo code Matt. They're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678-935-6901. Peachwood Floor Coverings. Big company quality, small company services. Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at roads-group.com. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near and then baseball's around the corner, 
knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find, a craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. The DailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. We are brought to you by Atlanta Sports Trips. Atlanta Sports Trips is the first premium travel service sending Atlanta sports fans on the road to see their favorite teams play. An Atlanta sports trip is headed to New Orleans, and you can come along for the ride. Come experience the most underrated rivalry in all of football when the Dirty Birds play the Aints on December 18th at the Superdome. Atlanta Sports Trips has the perfect weekend scheduled with a hotel stay at the JW Marriott on Canal Street, plus a tailgate with Brian Finneran and former Falcon quarterback Bobby Bear. Your chance to get up close and personal with a former NFL wide receiver and quarterback, autographs, pictures, pick their brains, and since Atlanta Sports Trips is now the official travel provider for 680 The Fan, you can benefit with $68 off your booking when you use the promo code 680 at atlsportstrips.com. It's going to be a great weekend. Give the gift of a trip by sending somebody to see the game of the year that could be one that has a lot of impact for the Falcons and the Saints. You can book at atlsportstrips.com. That's atlsportstrips.com. Did you um and you you you've moved, you've done Florida, you've done Atlanta, you've done national. Yeah. When you left Atlanta, was it an easy no-brainer to ESPN or did you have some reservation about leaving and wanting to sort of put roots down? Well, I I mean, you know, it was just uh I think that I I was really interested in in part, I was interested in getting back to New York. In part, I was interested in the path of being the lead national radio voice and hoping that that would lead me to call a national World Series, um, which I have actually haven't, you know, through circumstances I haven't gotten to do yet. I called, you know, Shulman had um, laryngitis, so I got to call the clincher game five for the 2018 World Series. But that was really, you know, what my – my hope and my, my dream was, and then there was also just timing. My contract is up with the Braves. ESPN offered me what they offered me and I grabbed it. I guess if, yeah, I mean, I guess I, you know, if one had happened before the other, maybe I, I could have, or would have stayed, but I, I don't know. I just, I was, it wasn't like I was leaving something. uh, I was, quite happy but I was being offered something I thought I had a chance to grow and, and get an opportunity and I do think ultimately the part that I've enjoyed so much about the last 10 years is look if I was in your shoes I'd ask the same question but I love the fact that I got a chance to do both radio and TV I mean for the last 10 years my standard season is 35 TV games and probably including the playoffs, 55 radio games. It's pretty cool to be able to do both um, and get to do really good games. And they exercise totally different 
skill set. So on radio, I love the craft of describing and, you know, kind of being in a dance with my partner, Chris Singleton, who I love working with. And then on TV, I like to play. I like to have fun. But I also have some nerd to me, and I like to get into some of the sabermetric stuff, and I like to influence content and tell stories. So it's been a, it's been a really good gig. Let me ask you this now, because this, this is weird, I know, to somebody listening, but you're about to go back and do Cubs games, and you'll still get yeah. the, the national stuff. When people have asked yeah. me, do I enjoy doing national radio or local radio more, Boog, I don't hesitate. I think local, for me, is so much more fun and intimate and connectability to the listener. Is it different in the broadcast booth doing a local team's games as opposed to a national? Do you have a, a, a want for one or the other? It's hard to say. I think uh, – so start with this. I, I think the first, the first thing that I would tell you about doing national games is you – like, so think about national games. There are 30 teams. When you do national games, your team's never bad. In September, you're never stuck with the 100-loss team. Because in the national game, you're always going where the games are good. So that's one thing to keep in mind. That year in and year out, in terms of doing national, you're always going where the games matter. Whereas locally, if your team's not good, it's not as fun. No matter what anybody wants to say, it's not as fun. If I, if I told, you know, it's an interesting question. You want to be a big league broadcaster? Yeah. If I told you you're going to be a big league broadcaster for the next 25 years, but every year your team's going to lose 100 games, that's not that fun, man. It's just <laughs> not. Um, as far as the connectability or connectivity, I should say, you're 100% right. It's one of the things that I'm looking forward to in this job. Um, I will tell you, that it's just, look, when I'm broadcasting Marlins games of the playoffs, there is an emotion. There, It's a part of it that's like I'm a fan and I'm broadcasting a game. And I am emotionally invested in the outcome of it. And I will be, you know, certainly with the Cubs. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I, I don't think my style is that I will be overtly so. But, yeah, you can't help it with that feeling. Nationally, though, you know, you go call games and David Ortiz hits the grand slam where the Red Sox are down one nothing in the series and down, you know, 4 nothing, and he hits the grand slam where Hunter flips over the wall in the league championship series and Fenway Park is, like, exploding and you don't have a dog in the fight and you're just sitting there being entertained by the sport. It's pretty cool. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. Um, so that, you know, like there's there's great great things for both. When you do it at the you know at the biggest level, nationally it's fun and locally it's it's emotional. It's cool. I mean, look on a day in day out basis, I, I think that your ability to connect and doing local uh, May twenty fifth. Uh, you know, game, whatever that would be, 42, you know, 52. Um, yeah, that's that's on the local because it's like you're, you know, you and your whole family is, and I mean that collectively, the whole Cubs or Braves family, you're all watching together. Uh, I think that that, you know, that has a pretty cool. Well, and I, and I guess I, I would spin it forward this way, right? Growing up in Atlanta, 
Skip Carey, Pete Van Weer, and that whole TBS yeah. crew, I always thought they were really – like, Pete was just a great broadcaster. Skip was yeah. emotion, and, like, there was homerism to them, which, as a fan, we always appreciate. But when they needed to call somebody out that they thought deserved to be called out, they did it in a, in a constructive way. Do you like the Homer broadcaster? So, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I like what I like. I can tell you this. I think it was probably underreported a little bit, but I grew up a Philly fan, okay? I'm sorry. And, and I, I know. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, 1980 was my, was my year. That, you know, when the Phillies won the World Series, that was, that was like, my, my favorite thing. And in college – at the power of TBS, I lived with a, a buddy who I went to high school with in New York. So we're at BC. And, you know, because we were baseball junkies, we got in on the, the Braves bandwagon. We were roommates in 90 and 91. So, you know, so we started watching the Braves a little bit because we had access to them. And it was just one of those things where um, – yeah, we got connected, and and we rooted for the Braves. So, like, in, you know, 91, we were, like, running home to go watch the Braves. I mean, I'm sitting in a class with an earpiece in my ear <laughs> listening to, um, you know, listening to, um, you know, the, the, the Braves come back and, and beat the Pirates and Sid, you know, sliding across the plate. It was uh, – it was exhilarating, and but the, I, the point I was trying to get to was, yeah, Joe, Don, Skip, and Pete. Oh my gosh, were they just fun, and you felt connected to them, and they put a smile on your face every day. And then when I got to go there and be around those guys, like that was a little bit of a thrill. I mean, that was me in college watching those guys. And they would, you know, they'd split the game. So, like, sometimes they'd shoot them moving, the, you know, two of them moving from one booth to the other. <laughs> yep. And they were just fun and funny. And I mean to tell you, Skip and Pete could not – I mean, look, I worked with Joe, and I got along great with Don. And, I, you know, I adore Joe. But Skip and Pete, you know, as guys – that had just such long time cred as, you know, again, you get gravitas as broadcasters and they were so kind to me and so welcoming to me. And I mean, you know, skipping his son, there doing games. So he's, you know, so chips there, they just could not have been better to me. And like, they welcomed me into this club. And all I'm thinking is, Oh my God, you know, like I've watched these guys for years. It's part of, you know, like the Fox people at times were confused by the chemistry being so easy with Joe and I. But you got to remember, like, for 10 years, or for at least for eight years, we had seen each other, you know, 20 times. And then I had gotten to watch all of them. So, like, I knew what, what they were about as a group and what Joe was about. And so it just came easy. Um yeah, my, my time with those guys, I'm so grateful. Like, they didn't have to treat me that way, but they just – they welcomed me. And, I, like, I still, when I think about watching some of those games, you know, when I think about, um, 
you know, even the year that they that they came all the way back and and blasted past the Giants on the last day of the season, where they went 104 and the Giants won 103. Yep. Um, I, you know, I, I just I was to get a chance to be connected to that in any way when I watched it, basically just like you know everyone that's listening to your podcast watched it. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Before we finish up on a baseball note, um, the Chipper relationship that you have, and we've all obviously yeah. loved Chipper the player, and now is the the post life sort of like just he's everywhere now, which we give him grief over because he wasn't that way before. Yeah. But I know the the video and the story, and you you've yeah. talked about it, but it's so priceless. Give the listener a little background of the moment when Chipper decides to look up at Boog Shambi. Yeah. After what was it taking a pitch because something led up to it? Give me the uh, give me the lead up to that. All right, so it's just such a good story, and we got and do, getting to do it in 2019 and execute the story on TV. And I thought we, I mean, we executed that story, <laughs> and you know, while we're broadcasting the game with him on the air without a rehearsal, it's a pretty neat clip. Like, so I'm proud of how we told that story live on the air with him in the booth and just laughing. Yeah, the, I mean, look. There's nobody, okay, like that I enjoyed covering on a day in day out basis more than Chipper. It was just fascinating. So start with this. He hit balls into the gap in left center field, left handed, that would go out and it would always surprise me because the lack of violence in his swing. I mean, you've watched him. You understand what I'm saying, Perfectly. right? There was a lack yes. of violence to his swing. And so the ball would always, you know, I'm always thinking out a one hop, the, you know, off the track and it would go. And there, it was just his approach. It just, you know, it's that classic. I felt like he was playing chess and everyone was playing checkers. And then you talk to enough people in baseball and everybody thinks they remember stuff, but Chipper really remembers stuff. <laughs> and, he was just so, you know, that was when I really had started towards getting into analytics and I would go on fan graphs and get stuff and I get information sometimes, you know, more advanced stuff, sometimes not. But anytime I presented him with information and, and basically put coins in the machine, um, he'd give me just the most unbelievably thoughtful answer. I mean, just like he's a savant. So, He'd been in a stretch where it seemed as though he was rolling over to second a lot. Um, it was either 08 or 09. I, I, never, I always forget. Um, and I think it was the year he won the batting title. So whichever year that it was. was 08, that 08? Yeah. 08, yeah. yeah, so he had 360, whatever. Anyway, so it felt like he was rolling over on the first pitch a ton. And I went and I looked and I sorted and I saw on fan graphs that he saw the second fewest first pitch strikes in the majors. So, like, I was not telling him this is what you should do. That's how it's presented. I wasn't. <laughs> I was putting coins in the machine. I said, hey, you know, you get the second lowest percentage of first pitch strikes in the bigs. Why do you swing at the first pitch so much? And he was surprised by that piece of information because, like, he wasn't experiencing it that way. And this is back, you know, this is 08. So, like, you know, the information isn't. I mean, they ha they'll, they'll have that stuff in two seconds nowadays, but right. then not as much. So he was a little surprised by it. But he said, 
look, this is why I do it, because I don't get very many fastballs. I'm hunting fastballs. So a lot of times the police are coming for me, by the way. Uh, (laughs) I knew they were going to get you. So, uh, but he said, it's probably the only time I'm going to get a fastball. So he ended up having to go. So the conference and and some guy, you know, a couple of guys gathered around Matt Diaz, a few other guys that are, you know, sort of watching and engaging, you know, shouting stuff in the middle of the conversation. I mean, we're doing it like playful, but like, I just had 9 million conversations like that about him. It was, you know, on the team plane, I'd sit there and he'd come up and plop down and I'd have batter pitcher matchups. Man, they're really active after me, huh? You must have done um, something really bad this time. So, so, uh, and I'd say, okay, uh, AJ Burnett, how have you done against him? You know, and he'd nail it every time. Anyway, so he's got to go take BP. I go upstairs. Tim Stoffer's pitching for the Padres. Two outs, nobody on. Uh, you know, Tim Stoffer didn't throw real hard. And even the, the camera angle is off to set, so it doesn't do it justice. It looks, I mean, Chipper swung a telephone pole. But <laughs> so, that, so, that, so Chipper digs in, and the first pitch is 91. And I mean, it splits the plate. And he steps out and just stares at me in the booth. Like, you see, asshole, that's why I do this, and you do that, okay? And and you can see him dig back in, and he's shaking his head. Can I curse some more? Please. He's shaking his head like this fucking guy. You know, like, that's what he's like. That's what. It, and, and Joe Simpson and I are done and he end, so he ends up working a walk. And the best part is we, when we he brought it up and we played it, he eventually, he says out loud, he said, if you knew the words that were going through my head, he said, you dictated that at bat. Now, how absurd is that? The Hall of Famer, one of the best hitters you and I, in terms of offensive power, like slug with average and just great hitters have seen. And he's like, I'm dictating the at bat. Like I was in his head and gosh, it was just, it was uh... unbelievable. And so we got to tell the story. Like I love the story and I love how, I mean, his reaction when we did it live on the air and he laughed so hard. And then in terms of working this year, he was, This year really stunk because we were never sitting next to each other. He was in his house. I was in a studio. It just would have been so much better to have him next to me. And I'm, and I'm sad about that. I, I, you know, you never know. I mean, you know, in this business, just when you think, you know, I'll never get a chance at this again, you know, maybe we'll work together somewhere sometime again, but he was still as, as sharp and prepared as I thought he would be. But I will tell you, I really love the guy. And I think he came across as more actively likable than he did every day. So, like, on the air, there were just more smiles. He was – and, like, he's – if you get in there, he is warm and, and really and, – but he just – I thought he, I thought he was so likable totally as a agree. broadcaster. Yeah. And, 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 and Boog, I'll give you a compliment. You guys sounded like you were next to each other. I mean, the chemistry, and it's not well, that's easy. Nice. 
Well, but it's true. You yeah, guys, it's, it's, gosh, you, you've, I'm sure you've done a bazillion remote shows where your partner's someplace else on TV. It's not there easy. Can be a delay, and yeah. it, it's just it's hard, man. And just he he was self deprecating. He he picked up on stuff that you know I could, and then he tells stories like I'll give you a good note. He's like every baseball card I ever had, they got my my numbers wrong. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like. They always listen to me at six four two ten. He's like, I was six three two twenty five my entire life. Wow. I was like, wow. So you're you're shorter and fatter. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I said, well, my baseball card. If they ever made a baseball card, it would just say Boog Shambi, height shorter, weight fatter. That's all mine would say. But he just did stuff like that naturally. And and the other thing I would say is. For a guy that finished when he finished, I think he intuitively understands the transitions that are taking place in the game. Like, he understands that they throw harder than ever before right now, and they throw fewer fastballs than ever before. And I don't know that everybody that finished playing when he finished understands that and how hard it is to hit today. I would agree with you. And what I like about him is he can give you that serious breakdown but what a ball buster. And I mean that in the best, like, and he yeah. likes to take it. for In a weird way, he'll take it. He's a Hall of Famer. He doesn't have to take it. You give it to him, he'll laugh at it and, and kind of shoot it back, which I think is always is commendable for a guy in his position. He's great. Yeah. He's great. So but, I but, just, you know, I wish we could have, I wish I could have done, done more with him. Yeah. Uh, so that's the way it goes. Boog, I've kept you too long. Great stories uh, from this part of uh, the world. We're huge fans still. Miss you calling games down here. Nothing but success to the uh future with the Cubs, and uh, we'd love to catch up with you again down the road. You got it, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, so much for taking the time to listen to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. Thanks to our producer, Matt Lear, for his assistance with the program. He's the glue that keeps the operation running. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Atlanta. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required.